Hey, welcome into another edition. This is Cross Functionality, the show connecting coaching, baseball, softball, male, female, hosted by former college baseball and softball players. Thank you for making time, taking a listen to our podcast today or watching on the YouTube side, the Softball Strength Academy YouTube page, episode 54. Today, we're talking coach and athlete open dialogue. Very excited to do this. Let me bring in my friend and co-host, softball national champion at the University of Alabama and current day renowned coach. I want to give her some credit to Cassie Riley Bosha for um, introducing me. We've talked about this so many times through now this, the 54th episode of Cross Functionality about athletes and needing their sleep. This week, I, I made a challenge for myself after I got back from Philadelphia last week from a wedding last weekend, starting Tuesday night and through when we record this on Saturday, I have made it a point to sleep nine to 10 hours a night and just go on that that schedule wow. and i feel great i've only needed one cup of coffee i haven't need any no energy type mushroom stuff none mm-hmm. of that none of that special stuff you find in like whole foods or sprouts mm-hmm. i feel great though nine to ten hours of sleep that's the that's the key point right there. that's good you know what it's funny sometimes uh when people try to make that switch they actually don't feel great right away it's like their body is like really having a hard time getting that much sleep and they're feeling drowsy you know it, it is interesting but that's amazing very good yeah. I was at the, uh, the wedding I was at last week. Uh, people were asking Cassie about you and and a little bit about your story and whatnot. And, um, they were we because last week, unfortunately for Alabama, they lost to Texas. And yeah. um, so, long story short, uh, they're playing Alabama this week. It, it jarred my mind. They're playing in Tampa, Florida this week, my hometown. Currently, they're playing USF. And sorry, my sister went to USA. Now, sorry to all the Bulls fans out there, but it's probably going to be like a 56 to 10 score in favor of Alabama. But I'm a little surprised, though, that Murph couldn't make his way down. Head coach, of course, softball head coach Patrick mm-hmm. Murphy, who was a former guest on this show, couldn't make his way down to Tampa. It was a beautiful Tampa, Florida, to take a little vacation and watch Alabama today. I guess he's busy on the recruiting trail. I'm sure. Like, I'm sure. Fall he's, practice. This is, this is, well, yeah, fall practices, but I think uh, fall's a busy, busy time for you know, he's back in the swing of it for sure. But well, episode 54 today, coach and athlete open dialogue. Be sure to follow us on all the social media platforms. I'm at Jim Tara everywhere, excluding TikTok. I do not have a TikTok. <laughs> um, and of course, at coach Cassie RB on Twitter, at coach underscore Cassie RB on Instagram. Talking today, coach and athlete open dialogue. Some of those things, you know, we talk about writing things down, always keeping a journal. But I think the, the one of the biggest points that we need to make today and, and decipher is technology. So much technology out there. We've talked about it so many times. How coaches know can use that technology, utilize the proper technology to have that open dialogue and be able to show the athlete what they are doing to help them better produce and practice in game settings. Sure. I, I do think communication is is the paramount or really the the most important foundation to working with anybody, right? And so especially when you have a coach, especially when you have a younger athlete, um, I think we have to understand that uh, even as adults, we might have struggles when communicating, but we've had almost double the amount of time this young athlete, if not more, has had in practicing communicating. And I always say it, and I'm Jim, I'm sure you feel it too. We got to grow up and basically go through most of high school without a device and definitely go through most of college without social media. And I think that just aided in our comfort in face-to-face conversation, in picking up a, a phone and, and calling instead of relying on text or email to communicate. Um and I, so I, I, I think it, it can't be lost that so many young athletes we're going to be coaching have a really difficult time communicating just in person or, tr- you know, maybe how we're most comfortable communicating. So trying to meet them halfway with whatever app or 
new piece of technology or using metrics to maybe start the conversation, whatever it looks like, if we can meet them halfway, we're going to be able to establish such a better relationship with them as a coach. All good points. I'm glad you brought up metrics. I'm going to give a little tease for next week's show, episode 55. I'm going to bring up something to you about bat speed that I saw in Baseball America that has to do with metrics. You might have saw it, seen it this week. I'm going to bring that up next week, though, and get did your opinion on it. Did it have to do it. with uh, Stanton being number one on it the... Did. Yeah, it did. I saw it, too. Fact, How you, Jim? <laughs> in fact, uh, I have it pulled up right here. Giancarlo Stanton, we're just teasing here. <laughs> Giancarlo Stanton was number one. Top 25 fastest average bat speeds for major league hitters, minimum, of course, 70 plate appearances. You always have to throw that disclaimer in there, right? <laughs> Giancarlo stands 77.2 average bat speed, average exit below 93.4. Do with that what you will. We'll talk about that next week because the list is pretty surprising, at least the order of it from top to bottom. There's a certain couple of guys at the bottom there, if people have not read it that you would be very surprised or at the bottom of that bat speed list. Anyway, we'll talk about that next week because that has more to do with metrics. And next week we'll be talking about the overall coach and athlete relationship. Anyway, long story short, though, we're talking about this week with the coach and athlete open dialogue. It's very, very important. The communication part, getting to know the athlete. But for you, how did you take, did you ever, when you journaled, right? Because you used to journal. I didn't, I did not. And sometimes I regret it. But when you used to journal, how did that help you with that open dialogue going forward with your coach? Sure. I think sometimes um, there might be something you want to say, but you don't have it organized yet. And right. it can be intimidating talking to your coach, right? Especially if you're in a slump or especially this is the person controlling your playing time. And you want to have a honest conversation because, you know, he wants or she wants you to get better and you want to get better yourself. Um, so what at least what it helped me is just organize everything I had going on in my head. So it was... Before a game, I had certain questions I was going to try to ask myself that I wanted to answer. Before practice, I wanted to answer certain questions. And then afterwards, those were just as important. And then it's not necessarily that I took my journal to my coach. I mean, I could, but I just felt so much more prepared to have a concise conversation. If someone's like, hey, what's going on? Why do you feel like you're slumping? It's not like, and you just start either, even, you know, girls, I think will probably have a tendency to word vomit while I have all this going on. And then, you know, I notice with the guys I coach, it's just, I don't know, like they can't, they, it's, they, they might have some inkling, but drawing it out of them is really difficult. And they might need some of those props to help organize what's going on in their head. So in interesting dichotomy there that we need to discuss with, mm. with girls, softball players, they're, um, they have word salad, right? I guess better way to put it than vomit, right? Word they have word salad. They they will give you every single um, every single thing, every single thought that that they want to journal. They're going to give that to you as a coach. Now, as a guy from the baseball perspective, and I could see this, um, they they're not going to open up as much. They're going to going to internalize it more, right? So, as a coach, how do you bring that out of baseball players, and how do you harness the softball players? to get the girls to kind of have a more of a one-track mind that can help them progress forward. Sure. So um, a couple, you know, I, I do think having some type of consistent questions, if you want, and you're not peppering, you don't want it to take too long because then they're going to not want to do it or they're going to rush through it. But having a couple of distinct questions is helpful um, that they know, they're they coming into the session knowing I'm going to ask, uh, how did you feel? What do you feel like you have to work? Whatever it may be. Um, so they're almost whether they realize it or not subconsciously, they're preparing for these questions because they know the same ones have happened every week. So that's at least how I can prepare for it. Um, but as far as, you know, we talked a little bit about technology, meeting athletes in different ways is 
well, maybe I'm going to text that ahead of time. Maybe I'm going to send a form because they're so used to doing that in school. They they fill forms out all the time. And maybe I'm going to pr- give them like make it even easier. And it's multiple choice. It's like, yeah. hey, a scale of one to five. How did you feel about this? You know, so I'm just I'm getting a little bit of an idea. I'm starting the process of pulling information out of them um, so that we're not starting the session and maybe taking 15, 20 minutes to pull information out. Because although that is important, sometimes you don't want to be taking up that much time every single time if you can have the athlete prepare ahead of time um, instead. So when you're going, let's say the athlete now moving forward after a practice or after a game, and you're having that that coaching dialogue with them and you're reviewing and you're going through everything that may have gone on in that practice, good and bad. Same thing with games. Mm-hmm. What's that conversation for you look like? Because what I'm gathering from this episode thus far about the, well, at least on the communication side, it's an open dialogue, right? So for you, po- from, as a coach, from your perspective, post, post-practice, post-game, what kind of, what does that dialogue look like? What kind of conversation are you having with those type of athletes? Sure. I, you know, I am going to jump to filling in blank spaces sometimes for athletes. Um, that's just what my nature is. So I, ha- I have to at least remind myself that there's power in a pause, right? So even if I pause, even if there is a pause and they have an answer, that doesn't mean they don't have something to say. They just might be taking a little bit longer to think about it. And then there's a lot of power in in directed questions. So, um, not necessarily leading them to say, "Hey, I, I bet I bet this was the issue that they're having," and I'm going to try to get them to say this. But sometimes, instead of just being like, "How are you feeling?" That's super 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 open ended. Maybe it's, "How do you feel like your confidence was at the beginning of the game versus the end of the game?" And they might say. Maybe they had a phenomenal game or it's like, man, I was like, it's so much better. Great. When did you start to feel it change? Well, right around that fourth inning. Why? Why do you think it changed right around then? You know, and starting to just pinpoint for that athlete so that they have something to be like, okay, cool. I know that moment I can visualize that's going to create some confidence within me going into my next game, let's say. Um, And obviously on the opposite end, you might have athletes who had a terrible game and they say, well, it's way lower now. And we talk about why that might be the case when it started to go. We might do some visualization techniques at that point. Um, so it's it's it really starts off as like, the, you know, the, the the top of the river. And then all of a sudden, depending on where that conversation goes, how that athlete is responding, when you do it enough times, you start to be like, okay, this is probably what I'm going to talk about next, ask next, and this is where this conversation can go. So it's productive and something that's meaningful that we can use for next week. Well, let's look at it from a glass half full type perspective. Let's say somebody is coming off male or female, doesn't matter, mm-hmm. baseball or softball. They're coming off a game where they went four for four. They made a nice defensive play. Everything was clicking that day, which, by the way, in baseball and softball, uh, I hate to, t- to tell everybody out there and spoil this for everybody, all our young players listening. But uh, unfortunately, those perfect days are few and far between. <laughs> I mean, it's always something that. Will, will maybe not necessarily go wrong because this is a, we're taking a half a glass half full approach, but um, you're not always going to go four for four. Right. You're not always going to have that perfect day. But when you do have that perfect day, or even when you go three for four, your confidence level is very, very high. Mm-hmm. What's the conversation look like with a player, baseball or softball, when their confidence is really, really high? Or maybe they're going through, like, say, a nine for 14 stretch, right. or one of the best stretches of their season of their life, and their, com- their confidence is through the roof. How are you changing your tone as a coach with that conversation? I, I don't know if I necessarily change what I think what my objective is, is I'm because go- if I'm going to be that coach for that athlete for the long haul, 
I I know, and I'm not going to remind them, hey, you're going to go through a slump at some point, but I know, we all know that that this hot streak is not going to last. Yeah. So I want to be able to be that feedback for them in case they aren't journaling or to like, I think one of the coolest things I had an athlete do is she had a really, really good game and she would record herself and be like, man, and like just talking about how she felt because when she would go back and watch that, she could get the feeling of what that confidence felt like so much better than when she just would write it down. So, but granted, not every athlete's going to do that. So I'm going to talk to that athlete. I'm going to see, you know, listen, how are you feeling? What, what's your pregame routine like? What's, what's that, um, what's your swing thought like? What drills are you doing that are just making you, you flow really nicely? Um, and maybe I'll, I'll, as a coach, keep track of like, okay, what dates are these? Um, because when that athlete is slumping again, and we have that conversation, it's going to be, hey, well, do you remember what you were feeling like when things were going well? And we can start to try to recreate some feelings that we've maybe lost. And then also, too, I think it's so powerful and valuable to showcase video because so many times I think coaches or especially athletes, they think, man, when I'm slumping, I'm going to have these, everything feels off. It's going to look so bad, blah, blah, blah. And when I'm doing well, it's going to look so good. And it's not, that's not always the case. And when you can showcase, listen, like, this is this is just so much of, of what's going on in your mind and how you're feeling. This isn't you don't have to go hit a thousand times off a tee if you know because you think it's a swing flaw. So I think sometimes those are really valuable to because um, you're really priming yourself and prepping yourself to have a really impactful conversation when they might be faltering a little bit. It's it's really important that you mention that because you, when you talk about quality over quantity, right? Mm-hmm. With, especially with swings, I'd rather take you know fifty swings, good really good quality swings rather than. 100 uh, swings that aren't very good, but I think I'm getting something out of it. That's where video and technology comes into play. Also journaling too. I mean, you mentioned in there, there's a lot in there that you mentioned, but a lot of ways we can go with this. Journaling, that's, this is why it's, it, it becomes more and more important. It's actually a lot easier to do now because there's sure there's journaling apps. I don't have it on my phone, but I'm sure there's journaling apps that you can get on your phone, on your iPad, or your, um, I don't know, whatever, whatever technology. <laughs> Kindle. Kindle. There you go. Right? <laughs> Um, but the, the journaling part, knowing, understanding how you feel, being able to reference back to that might help you when you are struggling, I think, but utilizing that technology and understanding, this is again, post-practice, post-game, understanding what someone did wrong. When do you, and understanding it through the, the lens of video, when do you transition from having that conversation, knowing that, okay, as a coach, this is the time now we can, at this point transition away from the conversation now let's go look at some video here and let's really kind of dissect and break down the flaws that you may have had in your swing or, or you may have had something going on in that plate appearance in that game that day yeah that's that's tough because i you really need to have a really uh mentally emotionally mature individual to go back and look at bad swings and look at um or bad at bats i should say Right. And, you know, talking even with a lot of guys um, who have played at the professional level, they go back and they look at a pass that didn't go well. And they're really just looking at how was their approach? Did they follow their plan? And they're not overanalyzing their mechanics it, from an in-game. And I, and I realize that's such a mature level of an athlete to be at. And how many high schoolers, myself included, couldn't look at a bat at bat without trying to analyze my swing. It was just where I'd gravitate to like, well, well I kind of looked a little off there and because again, we want it so badly to be the swing, but so many times, again, it's our pitch selection, it's our timing, it's it's maybe not being as locked in as we need it to be, whatever it may be. So, if I'm being honest, especially when an athlete had a poor game, um, eat, you know, good good or bad, but I like to go back and be like, okay, let's look at what went really well, because you know, you're already bumming, 
You're going to go into the shower and change and go into your week. And I want you reviewing in your head over and over again, playing the good stuff, not playing over and over again and dwelling on the bad stuff. Um, so I, I do think it, it really depends on that emotional maturity of, of an athlete. And then as a coach, too, you have to catch yourself because, again, I, I, I don't coach athletes on the field. And you're going to have a lot of coaches or parents listening to this that you might be the coach in the batting cage during the week, but not the coach on the field during mm-hmm. the game. And that is a very interesting dichotomy, but you have to harness that and not get too wrapped up in a swing coach and still remember being a hitting coach and still remember how important the plan, the approach and all that is opposed to overanalyzing video, let's say. Swing coach. I hate that word. Uh, (laughs) A combination of words, you know, I really do. I I don't, I don't know if you consider, I hope you don't consider yourself a swing coach. I I don't consider you a swing coach Uh, far beyond that. I consider you much more than that. I think it's, cheapens the um the term hitting coach mm-hmm. swing coach because again with the hitting coach we've talked about this so many times in the lab epstein hitting podcast with jake about um, there's the mental side to it there's the emotional side to it there's the human side to being a hitting coach and not just teaching mechanics you know i'm playing i'm playing a little i was playing top golf actually last weekend and um i, I was talking with a friend who uh, he was with me and and we've been friends for uh, over a decade and he's he's not bad at golf, right? We're at that age. We're in our our thirties, point, right? And we we may not look it for those watching on the YouTube side, <laughs> but um, we were you know we get at that age where we play a little bit of golf. I personally, I swung a bad left handed. I'm left handed, but I swing a golf club right handed. Anyway, so I, I'm playing golf and at Top Golf, and I'm I'm hitting balls and and trying to you know you hit a good one and you feel your confidence, you feel great, but then when you hit a bad one your confidence goes down, right? The ne- very next one, you you hit a you hit a horrible, horrible ball. And then not, next couple of swings, you're trying to get your confidence back up. So point being, when you, when golf, they say, well, there's a swing coach in there and, and whatnot. They don't include the fact that they're, those swing coaches are helping those golfers mentally get back to where they need to be. And a lot of times, of course, with hitting, I think, in my opinion, if you're off mentally as a hitter, it's going to affect your mechanics. So that's why it's very, very important, I think, uh, to have that open dialogue, as, just as a hitting coach in general, to understand the human being and what makes them tick. Yeah, listen, I've, I've had some athletes with that kill it in the cage. I'm challenge, challenging them left and right, um, yeah. and they're doing great, and then they're not putting it together on the field. And I come to find out, it's like, well, you go watch, and they're so uptight when they play. They have all this performance anxiety. They are not comfortable with their teammates, are not comfortable with the coach, or just in a, they went from a competitive travel ball to now showcase, and the fact that there's college coaches that they just saw on TV last week sitting behind them, that completely affects them. And it, again, nothing has changed about their talent. Their training was exactly where it needed to be. But gosh, that you're essentially just going to continuously rise and hit the ceiling of what your mental performance is capable of over and over again. So Again, we could we could say all day like, you know, well, these are the, the top 10 important things about your swing. But if you don't have this stuff in check or if you're not having the resources intact to check in with your athletes and and figure out what that dialogue is before it gets too late, before they're in a really bad hole. And now it takes a couple of weeks to get out of. Then we're just we're we're doing a disservice to our athletes. I think. You, know, you mentioned in their showcase players too, or, or at least showcases. You know, mm-hmm. and then you've seen so many players now. And I don't know if it's as prevalent on the softball side as it is baseball, but we're seeing a lot of players now being fostered in that showcase environment, meaning that they have to display their skills to the best of their ability in showcases. But it doesn't translate to games. So as a coach now, how, how do you 
help players not only perform in showcases, but be able to perform in games because it's proven time and time again. First of all, the 60-yard dash is bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I, will, I will say that until the, until the day I die, that I think it's absolute bullshit. Mm-hmm. And some of the other things that, that are done at showcases are also um, absolute BS. So how do you get athletes in the right mindset as a coach, baseball and softball players, for showcases to be able to display their skills, but also in-game as well, which, bo- again, both things are polar opposites, in my opinion, and very, very different. The approach. Very yeah, different. for sure. I think that's actually uh, a big reason why I, you know, when I transitioned out of giving just pure one-on-one lessons to group style lessons and, and making it more of a group or team type environment for hitting, one of my biggest arguments was showcases making the sport so individualized. We don't care for winning. We don't care what the score is. We don't care that there's a runner on second base with no outs. If I'm at the plate, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to showcase myself. Um, and that, you know, the one-on-one setting really feeds that mentality. But all of a sudden you put someone in a group setting and you say, you start to implement, you know, listen, it's it's still the same drill, but now we're either in a collaborative co- competition where it's, we're trying to get 15 balls to the back of the net under 20 total swings, or maybe it's a, you com- you're now competing within the group itself. Um, and then even just being in a group style setting, you're putting yourself like, on display a little bit. So if someone does have those anxieties about performing, um, we're now starting to see them in a practice environment, be able to deal with them in a practice environment instead of it being fine during practice. I'm very comfortable in practice. And now that discomfort isn't being dealt with until the lights are on and it's showtime. Um, So I think that that's a huge piece of it. And then just how you challenge the athlete within those sessions is, is going to translate as well. Well, be sure to email us. Anybody who has questions or comments, whatever, email us, jimbopodcast21 at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to the show, leave a review, Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, doesn't matter. And follow us on the um, on social media and uh, uh, the YouTube page. Follow us as well. Subscribe. Uh, new episodes every Wednesday, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, Softball Strength Academy YouTube page, previous clips as well. Talking today, episode 54, the Coach and Athlete Open Dialogue in baseball and softball, I do want to ask for you personally, this is kind of advice for coaches out there as well. How do you change that dialogue and shift it to when you're, say, doing a one-on-one lesson as compared to group setting? Because obviously yeah, that open dialogue, that communication is probably going to be pretty different when mm-hmm. you're going one-on-one with somebody rather than that large group setting. Sure. Definitely in a one-on-one setting, you get a little more in-depth, a little more personal. And, and in fact, if I ever am in a one-on-one setting, it's usually I'm setting a form out ahead of time and there's you know a set number of questions the athlete's answering. Shouldn't take them any more than 10 minutes, but I'm getting a very in-depth understanding of what's going on with that athlete leading and like why they're coming into the session in the first place, right? Um, in a group style setting, I actually really love doing some type of whiteboard thing and I'm asking less questions, but it is... Um, what do we feel like we have to work on and what has helped or not helped you in the past? And the reason I don't just tell, you know, the rest of the group to go start warming up and, and do that conversation one-on-one is because now someone else can be like, oh, you know what? I'm struggling with that too, but I've never tried that drill that, that has worked for that girl. Or I've never tried that cue that has worked for that girl. Maybe maybe that might help because at the end of the day, our issues are really not all that different. We really fall into typical buckets. Um, and the issue, you know, so many times we think is mechanical, but sometimes it's just like, I'm really struggling with having confidence on the low outside pitch. And someone else is like, you know, that happened to me last month. And and now now it's way more of a collaborative conversation. Um, 
And then on top of it too, how cool is it to know what the other person's working on and be able to get excited for the person that you're doing that session with when they finally do get what they were working out to achieve that day. So um, it's just a little, a little different, not as, not as individualized, I'd say, um, but can still be just as beneficial, if not more. And again, if anybody has any questions, email us jimbopodcast21 at gmail.com. Wrapping up today's episode, episode 54. Next week, episode 55, kind of a piggybacking off today's show, today's title, Coach and Athlete Relationship, Developing Such. Um, any final points that we should send out there to coaches between the coach and athlete, open dialogue, having that proper open dialogue and, and being able to gain that trust? Yeah, you know, what? this is one of those things I think that we think, you know, if you're, if you're a really good coach, it almost comes second nature to you. Um, the, the, it doesn't have to be a high effort thing either. It can be like, you know, some people, you know, I remember someone saying like, wow, sending out a form that's, that seems like a lot to do. Um, and you just either make it a part of your confirmation email or, or when you're texting your athletes, you send out one big group text at the beginning of the week and say, Hey, make sure this is filled out beforehand. And it really wasn't that big of a, of a lift. The reason I, like the form instead of just a casual conversation is because it is very, very valuable to go back and see what that athlete had talked about beforehand and to just have it documented. Um, and to be honest, I did it for about three years straight and I have some very, very cool data or information, or I can look at an athlete and be like, wow, you have 30 journal entries over the course of two years, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I do it. If I was going to pick something that I would highly, highly recommend if someone's giving lessons are working um with athletes that is that is something i would i would pin at the top it's it's really cool to hear you disperse this information on a weekly basis because i when you're going through your undergrad at the university of alabama and you were winning that a national title and then you went to the university of iowa and you got your postgrad did you ever think some of the situations or experiences that you would gain would ever be there for you and i mean I, you when you're I mean, when you're getting your undergrad you're getting your your postgrad there's some things you need to learn and there's some things that you need to take with you into your next career obviously for you it's coaching but there are just some experiences that can't be taught in the classroom that you've probably mm -hmm. learned and some of that information you disperse it every single mm -hmm. week that's i feel like that inf and today was a, the, a big key to that i don't think you can really learn in the classroom how to have that proper open dialogue that can help the coach and between the coach and athlete that can help that athlete progress, not only pre-practice, pre-game, but po post-game and, and mm -hmm. post-practice as well. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think that comes from experiences and it's not always having the best experience. You might have a really bad experience and think, okay, I never want to talk to my athletes like I just got spoken to, let's say, or, right. um, or wow, that was actually more detrimental to me than I thought, you know? So, um, yeah, certainly less classroom based and that was definitely way more human based, I, I suppose. <laughs> the next week, episode 55, the, um, by the, um, coach and athlete relationship, getting an athlete to buy in. We're going to talk about that. Thank you for listening to episode 54 today. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't done so already. Check us out on YouTube, the Softball Strength Academy YouTube page, and we will talk to you next week. Take care, everybody.